A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anyway, welcome back to the Creep Dive. We're all here together. It's been the first time in ages. We were together last Wednesday. Oh, well, I mean, just three just of us. in the kind of traditional sense. We had a yeah. child with us last week. We did. A lot of people Frankly, keep saying it. I painstakingly court. edited yeah. out oh, every time she we refer well, to I mean, her as a child. Anyway, she was, she a was nice young. Girl. Someone did give me some crucial feedback. Alan McGuire from Juvenalia, okay, big fan. Come on. Hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. Um, he did say that it was probably inappropriate that we talked about butt plugs. I did presence. think I thought about that after the fact. I think sometimes if I know actually it would change you too much if you thought about the things before you said them. Don't say them. Too late. Would, you'd be you A, you'd be mute and B, you wouldn't be half as enjoyable. Was I telling you about the NCT and the organic condoms that were left in the car? No. Do you remember um, sex shopper Shauna? Yeah. Gave us or, nice things to bring home and then we, we collected the things we wanted and I got organic condoms. I think they were organic. Vegan friendly? Something. Body uh, safe, some type organic. Of friendly. Yeah. Fitness and uh, wellness condoms. And uh, I said, thank you. Put them in my pocket. Put them in a glove compartment of the car. Off for the NCT. A glove in a glove. A glove in a glove. <laughs> and the man said a thing to me about it. What, he's, he's like, like oh, oh, they're nice condoms. In the glove box. Ethical condoms, went, well done. In the glove box. And I went, <laughs> no idea what you're talking about until I got in the car and failed the NCT and drove away. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Ethical condoms. Did you feel better about yourself? I haven't used a single one so far. <laughs> I was chatting to someone on Insta who was asking me about my class nappy um, adventures and I was like, the smugness outweighs the irritation of them. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying are you just praying for you when he's a toddler praying for him to bend over in the park so that everybody can be aware 
that he's wearing a, you know <laughs> that I am a better class of person I used to look at like sorry this is kind of niche mothering stuff I have a creep of the week but it's kind of old and then I was wondering did you guys talk about it when I was on mat leave which um, one the, the lad who uh the YouTuber who faked his girlfriend's death? No. no. For a YouTube video, Yeah, guys. no, I read that. So a lot of people sent that in to us actually on Instagram. Did he fake having a girlfriend and then fake kill her? No, no, she existed. And was kind of like, up, up until a point, kind of complicit in the death faking. It was to drive traffic to a new joint channel of theirs. Yeah. That they were trying to get off the ground. That's a good idea. And then like... Is it? <laughs> But like did people, it work did, that's the thing in my mind I'm like no one's gonna take that seriously but then he still got all the ad many people do from the video that he did post of him like crying by a roadside memorial that absolutely was absolutely fake modes, roadside memorial do you know what I've been bet into this smug dickhead who speaks Chinese and is a white person and he's going around New York Chinatown mm-hmm. just like smugly being a dick in China in Chinese people's stores and restaurants. So he like pretends he doesn't, he pretends he's a regular white English speaking guy, comes yeah. in, orders, asks them tons of questions, waits for them to start bitching about him and then responds in Chinese to them. What a dick. Anyway, and is he filming viewing. for his yeah. YouTube channel? He has a GoPro on a selfie stick the entire time. That's mad. Can't believe they're even tolerating that, to be honest. Well, they're in Chinatown. Well, I tried to take a video of some fish that were for sale, and they were like, "Get, get, get the fuck out of here, bitch!" And anyway, I said, that's what fair. I've been doing. I'm in your turf. Yeah. Oh, no. dickheads Could are you everywhere. Just hop back on because it's going everywhere. Thank you. Okay, excellent, excellent. So what? So thank you for that creep of the week. Uh, tiny creep of the week, yeah. sticking to our sort of Centre Parks theme. <laughs> okay, we've done it. We've just done it. No, I didn't say anything else other than Centre Parks. The word Centre Parks. You can kiss that lucrative Centre Parks sponsorship deal goodbye. And you know what? They can kiss goodbye. <laughs> My nude ass drinking their stank pool water ever again. <laughs> Okay. I was nude and, oh anyway, my god Tommy this Robinson image of your ass gulping that pool <laughs> water it's just so intense hungry hippo style <laughs> just been waiting weeks to get in here drink all this kiddie pool action <gasps> okay fecal matter Tommy Robinson faces assault charges after Centre Park's arrest you know him not to be confused with, with that Tommy other Robinson no, I was like Tommy he's doing in Centre Park former EDL leader uh, right wing English person uh, super racist guy. Anyway, he's been arrested. He had a bust up in Centre Parks. Oh. Anyway, that's small creep of the week. Come Interesting. Cleopatra. Um, I don't have a, I have a, I have a kind of mini creep of the week uh, and it has to go to Stephanie O'Connor. So you touched upon this story one time when you said, I think, almost verbatim, your man who killed his mother-in-law and Fucked flung her out the window. Her, <laughs> out the window. Gap. Yeah, so not it's quite accurate. The best bit about this story, and sorry, it's not it's not funny, but it is funny, is when they buried her and then they got freaked out and dug her up again, and, and then, then cut her up. Cut her yeah. Up. So the full the full story is that uh, Kieran Green was found guilty of murdering uh, Patricia O'Connor, who was his partner's mother, in May two thousand and seventeen. Uh, so Kieran is the father of two of Louise's kids, but together with Louise. Yeah. Louise's daughter Stephanie and then uh, Louise's ex-partner yes they covered the whole thing up including a including bathroom renovation absolutely ama- it's a t- like it this is an amazingly complex story but it just involves so many members of the same family being yeah what I did think was nice was the current partner of Louise working with her ex-partner so well 
current partner and yes interesting it's nice it's yeah. blended family but also the deceased lady's uh, husband Gus. involved he was accused so originally Kieran admitted to the murder that he had just hit her over the head there was nine of them basically living in this house in Rathfarnham this is a three bed semi-D so it was Louise wow. her five kids Kieran, Patricia and Gus I think we've explained why and how the, you know now that makes sense I just, I just think the tensions were really high in <laughs> yeah, the house. There was imagine. nine people um, in this house. And like Louise's older kids, I think, are adult age as well. So a lot Jeez, of people like under the one very little roof. oxygen being shared there. Mm. Potential listeners. They're yeah, in our sort I've of bracket. <laughs> Sorry for your loss. So, um, but basically. But they're the, not. One of them pretended to be her. This is it. This is Stephanie. Yeah. So oh, this no is shit. my little oh, creep. Sorry, Give us, sorry. So what what we know happened was that Kieran was in the house and he killed her. But we don't know whether Louise and Stephanie were in the house when she was killed. But we do know that they knew that day. So they knew that night okay. that it had taken place. Oh and this God. is why they're all now being complicit in this murder. So Keith Johnson is the handyman ex-partner of Louise. So he went and he then he did the bathroom makeup knowing that a murder had taken place. Oh. And apparently Keith helped um, Kieran re-dig up the body and then cut That's it up right. and then fuck her out all over the Sally's gap. Now, this is Whoa. mad Whoa. that so many people agree. Like, as soon as you heard about this and then you were hired to plaster the new bathroom wall because they told everyone, obviously. Well, they were all still complicit. very connected. But the, why so we're like John Joe's cousin doing the plaster. Yeah, I guess. yeah we're and all like, still related. You know, like, you, you've come in to do the... Yeah. Do the grouting or whatever. And you're like, these people just killed one of their own. Gotcha. I, I'm not going to fuck I'm not going to ruffle any feathers here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but as soon as you know... And I'm not going to take too many time. tea breaks. But the best, the best part of it is 21-year-old Stephanie putting on a fucking little little old lady cap no. getting a suitcase the no. night of Patricia's right. murder she dresses herself up gets a suitcase and foe storms out of the house as if she's just doing a runner so that the neighbours will see her and they'll oh just assume that she's what age gone off Stephanie was only 21 impressionable yeah but this she's been found disaster, guilty though. of um, yeah, exactly of being complicit so has Louise the mother so has uh, handyman Keith and obviously um, accessories to murder Kieran was found guilty of Is murder that what they are? accessories accessories and impeding justice I well, guess well yes I, what, what's impeding the, the prosecution of Kieran Green that's right yeah when they start you know telling lies to policemen and things anyway that's very bad so that's, that's it. There's a nice long read there now by Barry Cummins. Good old Barry Cummins. Giving us a long read on the RTE website. Fabulous. Um, and there's just loads of coverage behind a fuckload of paywalls. So. Really? Yeah, Good. it's all on the Times. Pay, yeah. pay those paywalls. Uh, pay those paywalls. But for the news. Well, I think maybe if we <laughs> realise we're sort of in a paywall currently. But if you know how we're all sort of sharing Netflix passwords. Yeah. Maybe we could like take a Do you take the whatever? What one do you want? New York Times? Guardian? You know, we'll yeah, take I, one each. I, I have the New, New York, York Times. Times. Oh, oh, shit. Why are we doubling up? <laughs> exactly. That's my point here. Pay for your content. No, do pay for your content. But I do think that that was, you know, creeps of the weeks have to go out to the news organisations that put their coronavirus information behind their paywall. That is totally fucking stupid. Yeah. And you remember that, uh, the, so the band, I don't know why they were, it was like a children's band. A community were, musical ensemble. Right. Yeah, yeah, they were all put on lockdown by this letter from the HSE saying, look, you've been in contact, please put yourself in your bedroom for two weeks. And then 
the I was reading on various news reports that the letter was a hoax. And then, and then Simon the HSC were like, sorry, no, that was real. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, remember when we told you it but was I a hoax? I think what happened was there was like versions of the letter being shared and they were hoaxes. Oh, for fuck's sake. And people, you know, whatever they were saying. But like my brother last Friday got a text saying to stay home from work. From Not from, from like an alert. I don't know. We can't figure it out. It said like, um, I'll show it to you. It was like alert, blah, 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 messaging service, stay home from work. But and did he go in? Did he, he went into work and did no one had heard of the text? No, it wasn't Ooh, weird. Real. Yeah, oh. I got a text from my kid's school yesterday being like, "Now, if anyone sees any anti-back on sale, please buy it all up, and the school will reimburse you. Our supplies are running low." There's some downstairs in the pharmacy, but it's a limited number per person. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> I thought you were going to say downstairs in the jacks, which I already put the eye on and was like, I could steal that. And then I was like, "Be a better person, so My uh, my school is making their own aloe vera. Tea tree drops. Do you trust that? Alcohol. No, I think it needs to be alcohol. I don't think aloe vera and uh, tea tree are the right things to use. But could I could you be wrong. Not a look at your hands and say a poem to the hands? You could. You could just wash them with regular soap. That breaks down the... Seb's now on a work from home for the next few weeks. Hey! They've cleared out. Really? I won't say the name of the since company. When? but you Although it's on Twitter, I think. But yeah, since yesterday. Like Google. It went on the same day yeah, as Google. But yeah. Google only went for a day. They Well, uh, that's futile. Well, they were checking to see if they could. That's what they said. They were checking to see if they could manage with everyone working from home. They've you know got 8,000 8, people to sort out. It's 8,000 people masturbating in their pajamas for, <laughs> for the next three weeks. That's As all they're the doing. good God Google intended. And what's funny is all of they're the people They're all Googling how to masturbate children. efficiently. <laughs> When's the best time of day to really focus the masturbatory? How many times a day? Yeah, how many times in the eight-hour working day can I masturbate? <laughs> Siri <laughs> <laughs> The blindness starting to creep over the whole 8,000 uh, Anyway, I have a long creep for you today Excellent cool. Excited Ready Money. for my, my Yes This please. is when somebody texted me just this week And was like, you should check this out This will, this will be good for the creep dive And I mm -hmm. said, would you believe It's the very fucking one I'm doing I saw oh, that in the DM. I know Now, before I start off There's quite a lot of Russian names so I'll we're all be here. offending everyone. Be offending everybody. Excellent. I think we do have a couple of Russian listeners. To those people, I say, Mazeltov. But that's not something all in what Russian. You would say. No worries. <laughs> Gorbachev. Uh, Gorbachev. I say to those people and things like Soviet Union and. Okay. No. Well, I mean, I'm just no. talking about their history. Reverse. Well, Reverse. this is the well. Back I'm out. in that year, right? We're talking about 1959. We're in Russia. Together, we're in a place called. Okay, Dilatlov Pass, <laughs> <Nice>. right? <laughs> Dilat Dilatlov Pass incident is what this thing is called. <gasps> so you may have oh seen it. Yeah. Oh my god, your pronunciation is so bad. It took Why? me a minute. What's yours pronunciation? Dilatlov. No, wrong. They're very similar. It and it's Dilatlov. Dilatlov. Okay, I love this. Let's go. So uh, an event where nine Russian hikers died in the North Ural Mountains between the first and the second of February, nineteen fifty-nine. So the circumstances are pretty strange. That's all in one night. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were, well, here, let me take you on the journey. Yeah. So they're really experienced. I think that's one of the creepiest aspects of this. Oh, no, they all died at the same time. Yeah. Uh, the they're a really experienced trekking group, okay? Mm -hmm. They're all from Ural Polytech. Uh, so really young gang as well. So um, I'll just give you a bit of background. They established a camp on the slopes of Kotlav in an area now named in honour of the group's leader, Igor Dyatlov. 
So during the night, something terrible happened, which caused them to tear their way out of their tents from the inside, flee the campsite, all in various states of undress. Now, we're talking about conditions that are around minus 28 to minus 30 degrees centigrade. Very, very, very chilly in the willy. Yeah, you would want at least to have two pairs of shoes, one, well, one shoe on each foot, which some of them didn't. So, so after the group's bodies were discovered, an investigation by the Soviet authorities determined six had died from hypothermia, while the other three showed signs of physical trauma, which is the interesting shit. Uh, for instance, I'll take you on the story, but here's a bit of the, this is kind of a bit of background. One victim had a fractured skull. Uh, two others had major chest fractures. And the body of one of the group, one of the bodies was missing her eyes, her eyeballs. Uh, one of the victim, another victim missing his tongue. Uh, the investigation concluded that a compelling natural force, inverted commas, had caused the deaths. So there have been tons of theories, obviously. <gasps> so, bit of background. So, uh, really, 1959, group of former, so they were skiing expedition kind of gang. Obviously, mm. they lived close by in this mountainous region. So... This is their sort of fun shit to do together. Sounds, it does sound fun. The guy leading it, um, Igor Dyatlov, who this whole fucking thing was named after, he was only 23 years old. So he was a radio engineer student at this local college. Uh, he was the leader who assembled a group of nine others, so they're originally 10, for the trip, most of whom were fellow students and peers at the university. So each member of the group, which consisted of eight men and two women, were uh, experienced grade two hiker with ski tour experience. So super duper kind of action men style people. Mm. Lots of Swiss army knives. Mm. Loads of plasters for the blisters. <laughs> Gloves, I imagine. And warmth gear. Yes. Tents. There were 10 originally, right? Here's the group. Igor, main guy, 23. Very yeah. handsome. Like leader of the group. We all know an Igor. Mm-hmm. So he died of hypothermia. Sad. Yuri. Can I just ask, who found them? Who found them? Yeah. I'll get to that. Okay, sorry. They weren't, well, basically they had, you know, when you go on these treks, apparently, you have to tell people you're going to check in at a certain time so that people know to expect a call. When they don't get a call, they know you've, you're in trouble. Mm. So that's what happened. Their mm. call never came through to say, we've, we've reached, reached this camp. Supposed to get. Yeah. And then a search engine was released. <laughs> um... <laughs> So Igor Yahoo, Yahoo. <laughs> Igor uh, Dyatlov, 23, dead. Yuri Doroshenkov, obviously these all these people died. Hypothermia, another man, 21. Oh, God. I know. Here we have Alexandronovia Dublinia, dead. She was 20. She died from internal bleeding from a chest trauma. Oh. We have another lad here, Alex. Very difficult to say this. Krivonis Kachenov. There's a lot of Chenovskis. Uh, 23, ma- male, hypothermia. Alexander, 24, another male, uh, hypothermia. Uh, Zinyandi, Kolomongori, only, whatever. 22, female, sad, died as well of hypothermia. Rustem, Slobodin, 23, <laughs> male, hypothermia. Nikolai, another guy, 23, fatal skull injury. What? Yeah, I know. Uh, Simeon, Another guy, 38, weird, male, severe, uh, severe chest trauma, eyes missing. Sorry, it was a guy whose eyes... Yeah, 38. 
imagine you were just on this like 20 year old trip you okay, and your buds at 20 in. yeah and then there's some 40 year old guy there too do you not think that's weird and he wasn't even the leader yeah, I'm a mature student in the college. <laughs> yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Jesus a lot of questions. Christ, a lot of like, if we were to go back now, we would be behaving in that way because yeah, we were mature. Yeah, because we want our money's worth. Out and, of you our education. and you know what? Bingo. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, exactly. Yuri Yudin, another guy, twenty-one. This guy, Yuri, right? Yuri <laughs> had a load of problems before he kicked off. Anyway, I'll tell you about him in a minute. The group arrived by train, or ten of them at this point at a town at the centre northern Providence so um, they arrived together waiting to take off the next day so they arrived in the early morning hours of 25th of Jan uh, they then took a truck a lorry vi- uh, a lorry to the village and it, that is the last inhabited settlement to the north before um, taking off on foot so while spending the night here the skiers the guys they purchased and ate loaves of bread to keep their energies up you know carb loading mm-hmm. <laughs> did you say ate? yeah like a loaf per person. They ate loaves of Jesus, bread. Jesus, I it says the right indigestion here. was just murder. <gasps> just loaves and loaves of bread. So, and then the following day on the 27th of Jan, they began their trek. So on the 28th, one of the members, Yuri, we all know a Yuri, right? <laughs> okay. He legitimately suffered from several health ailments. You would think then he'd be like, I'll just not go. I don't think this this social climbing hiking club is for me. Mm-hmm. He did go though, and uh, it was the obviously because of this reason he turned back one day in. No, he had uh, rheumatism and he had a congenital heart defect in his defence, but he turned back to knee injury and joint pain, and uh, he was the only one then to survive because he didn't go. You would feel well. Listen to your body, guys. Yeah, be a Yuri. Be a Yuri. So there were diaries and cameras found at their last campsite, so that made it possible to track the group's route up to the day preceding the incidences. There's the photographs and things. They're all look happy and they look so young and you know. Yeah, it's great. They were having a great time until they weren't. So on the 31st of Jan, the, co- uh, the group arrived at the edge of the highland area and began to prepare for climbing. So in a wooded valley, they ditched surplus food and equipment that would be used for the trip on the way back. They like buried shit. Uh, and the following day, the hikers started to move through the pass. So it seemed they planned to get over the pass, make a camp for the equipment that would be... Uh, sorry, the next... Sorry, they went... Let's see now. They went over the pass. They made a camp for the next night on the opposite side. But because of worsening weather conditions, uh, snowstorms, decreasing vis- visibility, they lost their direction and deviated west upwards towards the top of Colat Cycle. So another uh, big mountain, basically. So mm-hmm. when they realised their mistake, the group decided to stop, set up camp there on the slope of the mountain rather than move the one and a half kilometre downhill to a forested area, which would have offered way more shelter. Coverage. From the bad weather, exactly. So um, you didn't. The old rheumatoid arteritis guy, uh, bad knees, uh, postulated that uh, Dilatov, the leader, uh, can't remember his first name, probably did not want to lose the altitude they had gained or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. Yeah. Oh. So fine. I yeah. Mean, you know, if either had happened, that would be fine. So before leaving, Dilatov had agreed he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned uh, to Vizhai, that village place. Uh, so it was expected this would happen no later than the 12th of February. So the 12th was the day 
that they were supposed to check in, which was actually quite a long time. But of course, there was no mobile phones or, you know, what else could he have done? Yeah. So where am I? So on the 20th of February, the relatives of the travellers demanded a rescue operation and the head of the institute sent for the first... So they were supposed to check in on the 12th, eight days have passed and yeah. they haven't heard from anybody. No, uh, but remember, Dilatov told Yudin, the guy with the bad knee, we could be looking at longer. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that probably would have bought them a couple of extra days. But yeah. by the 20th, everyone was going bananas. All the family of the, tra- of the hikers. So they demanded a rescue group set out and they did. So that consisted of volunteers, students... And teachers. So later, uh, later the army and the militia forces became involved with planes and helicopters being ordered to join the search uh, rescue. So on the 26th of February, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent on the side of this mountain. So the campsite baffled the search party. So one of the students who found the tent said the tent was half torn down and covered in snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Investigators told said that the tent had been cut open from the inside. So eight or nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks or a single shoe or some barefoot could be uh, followed, leading downwards towards the edge of the nearby um, woods on the opposite side of the pass. That was one and a half kilometres away. Do you remember? The place that you would have thought they would have stayed. Yeah. So they all fled to that. Well, that was the direction, yeah, that mm. the footprints were going. Uh, however, after f- 500 metres, uh, these tracks were covered in snow. So at the forest edge, under a large Siberian pine, the searchers found visible remains of a small fire. So there were the first, and there were the first two bodies. So uh, those of Chris Jenner oh, and Doroshenko. <laughs> Let's just call them Chris and Doroshenko. Shoeless uh, and dressed only in their, ca- in their underwear. The branches of the tree were broken up to five metres high, suggesting one of the skiers had climbed to look for something, perhaps the camp uh, between the pine and the camp. Oh, yeah, sorry. So, right. Tree was all fucked up. So the searchers were like, "Okay, well, where the fuck is everybody else? We have these two bodies. So they kept looking. And between this tree and the tent, they found three more corpses of Dielatov, the leader guy, Kolomongoria and Slobodin. I don't know why I said it like that. Just another guy or a girl. Can't remember. So who seemed to have died in um, poses suggesting they were attempting to return to the tent. So they were fa- their bodies were facing the tent from the wooded area. Oh, Jesus. Uh, they were found at separate distances of 300, 480 and 630 metres from the tree. So finding the remains of four travellers. Uh, fi- sorry, finding the remaining four guys and gals took more than two months because there was such heavy snowfall. They were obviously waiting for the snow to melt. They were yeah, like, yeah. just be fucking digging around here. If the, if the experienced hikers can't make it through, how are they going to make it through? That's it. So sadly, they were finally found on 4th of May under four metres, 13 feet of snow in a ravine. Jesus. Uh, 75 metres high. So further into the woods from the pine tree was where the rav- this ravine was. Three of those four were better dressed than the others, suggesting they were able to get that far. Yeah. Before the cold kind of kicked in. So there were signs that those... Uh, who had died first had their clothing relinquished to others. So this suggests there was a period of time between the deaths as well. Okay. So they were just sort of panicking yeah. and stripping yeah. the and dead to try and Like those two guys found warm. in their underwear by the yes, tree. Yes. It looks like they were stripped off for the remaining four. So um, there were signs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Dobinia, one of the girls, was wearing uh, cr- uh, Chris's burnt, torn trousers and her left foot and shin were wrapped in a torn jacket. There's actually photographs of all of their bodies. And because of the snow, they were perfectly frozen. frozen. And they're actually incredible photographs, bar the people who were smashed up with the eyes gone. The Ugh. ones who were kind of peacefully, well, I'm sure... Just kind of, you know, I'm like Pompeii. Kind of running man There's heading one, back to the tents. One of the girls kind of like, anyway, they look like Pompeii, frozen. Oh, God. Obviously frozen. Uh, so a legal inquest started immediately after the first five bodies were found. A medical examination found no injuries that might have led to their death. Uh, and it was eventually concluded that they had all died of hypothermia. So Slobodin had a small crack in his skull, but it was not enough to be fa- to be a fatal wound an examination of the four bodies that were found in May shifted the narrative as to what had occurred during the incident so before May it looked very much like hypothermia had killed yeah. everybody but there was still a major question of why the fuck did they leave the tent why did they have to cut themselves out why did why the hysteria mm. i mean anyway uh where was i were they so, trying drugs for the first time? Well, I mean, maybe you, but because they, they were sort of these professional hiker people looking to kind of... Outdoorsy types. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, maybe. But it seems strange. I There's mean, always it, one person who's like, anyone tried these Hawaiian Woodrow seeds? We went on a trip, uh, <laughs> me and Toby with our pals. Year, we, were, we were probably about 18 or something. And I was, you had, did probably you in the womb. Did you buy these Woodrow seeds? Yeah. Like, and they were supposed to be sort of hallucinogen, hallucinogenetic. And then we were all in this gaff in the west of Ireland together. And turned into a real shit show. It turned into a li- fucking incredible <laughs> shit show. If anyone's seen the Shane Meadows movie Dead Man's Shoes, it, it is, was like that, but without the kind of bloodshed. There was so much. There was a lot of paranoia, feces, and vomit. Oh, what? God. Wasn't it? It was incredible. It was like like two of us exploded. What were those things? Did anybody get high? <laughs> They just gave you chronic diet. You took laxatives to get high, essentially. There were these small seeds. They looked like peppercorns. You were peppercorns. supposed to chew on Flexies. them and they hold them in your mouth, but you weren't supposed to let any of them get down your throat because right. they, they caused um, death to <laughs> two of the travellers with us. Sad. R.I.P. <laughs> they went out high. On a high. Not really. They absolutely destroyed the bathroom in the place. Yeah. Anyway, drugs. Here we are. All four bodies. Right. So where was I? The examination of the four bodies in May shifted the narrative as to what may have occurred. So three of the skiers had fatal injuries. Uh, one of them a major skull damage and both Dobinia and Zorlatov had major chest fractures. So um, according to Boris, this guy uh, is kind of a specialist in Russia. The force required to cause such damage would have been have to have been extremely high comparable to like a car crash. So notably, the bodies had no external wounds associating associated with bone fractures as if they had been subjected to high levels of pressure. So you're thinking maybe avalanche. Right. Like those were the guys that had fallen. Down, oh, sorry, that they were at the bottom of a ravine as well. But sure, at that time, the ravine was full of snow, you know, as well. So it's not like they were dropping off a cliff onto a load of rocks. Anyway, confusing. Mm. Interesting. So and they weren't covered by snow. Yeah. Which would be avalanche. Well, those guys were. But okay. That, but yes, it could have been avalanche, but sh- so that was May. So months had passed in the... Sorry, of mm. course. Yeah. So uh, all four bodies found at the bottom of the creek in a running stream of water had soft tissue damage to their head and face. For example, for example, Dobinia was missing her tongue, uh, her eyes, part of her lips, as well as facial tissue and fragments of her skull bone, while Zorlatov had his eyeballs missing. 
So, and one of them had his eyebrows ripped off. So the forensic uh, forensic expert performed, perform, who performed the post-mortem examination judged that these injuries happened post-mortem due to the locations of the bodies in the stream. So this could, this is just animal okay. action yeah, yeah. or, you know, just a natural sort of a... Animal like a Sasquatch? Well, tis a theory, my Sophie. Yes. Anyway, uh, there was initial speculation that the indigenous Mansai people, right, their reindeer, this is fucking classic, reindeer herders uh, local to the area had attacked and murdered the group, the group for encroaching on their land. Uh, they definitely didn't. So this was kind of, um, several of them were interrogated. I'm sure they got a really fucking rough Terrible ride. Terrible time. Uh, but the investigation indicated the nature of their deaths did not support this hypothesis hypothesis so because only the hikers footprints were visible there was no there yeah, was only the yeah, 10 yeah, yeah. footprints so it's like something mm, started with them they ran away and then they all just well that's it then they ran away for long enough to make a small fire uh, three of them turned back and headed back to, towards the tent yeah but two didn't make it didn't died yeah. didn't make it two of them got up a tree yeah and the other four hang on am I at nine yet <laughs> The other four were down the end of a ravine. Yeah, no, plus four, so why yeah. would they all go in different directions? So anyway. They were scared by a Sasquatch. I'm telling you, the drugs and were getting to them. Be. They were all on a bad bus. <laughs> they wouldn't have done drugs because they were such experienced hikers I and that is dangerous. Yeah. I think so. I think like they were trying to do things right and I think they were like challenging themselves to get in a higher grade in the sort of I mean, camp. I mean, you're, 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 you're kind of, these are like the hike lifers, you know? These mm. are the these are the modern wellness people okay. of like Soviet Russia. Russia. That's it. <laughs> Took off with Nutribowls. <laughs> they had like pro, they're only getting high in their little protein balls. There was three ingredient protein balls. They <laughs> are not doing mushrooms in this. <laughs> if you ravine. leave those protein balls long enough, I bet you they ferment into something hallucinogenic. If you stuff them up your arse and left them there for long enough, your body could might try to have a good time. Two of you should write down a recipe with your fucking flax seeds. That's Just <laughs> chew your protein ball in your mouth and don't swallow well, it. Flax seeds uh, would give you the shits. I no, don't know. Some of the woodrow seeds. Anyway, here I go. Back into the story. Yes. So although the temperature was very low, around minus 25 to minus 30 with the storm blowing, the dead were only par- were par- only partially dressed. Some of them had only one shoe, like we said. Uh, others had no shoes or only socks. Some were found wrapped in uh, bits of ripped clothing. They seemed to have cut from those who had already died. Journalists reporting on available parts of the inquest files claimed that it stated six of the group members died of hypothermia, three of fatal injuries, uh, no indication of other people nearby. Uh, apart from the nine travellers the guys who died the tent had been ripped from within Uh, victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal traces from the camp showed that all group members left the campsite of their own accord on foot high levels of radiation this is weird weird were found on only one victim's clothing that's okay to government experiment that's that's, well maybe to dispel uh, a theory of attack by indigenous people um it was stated that the facial injuries of three of the bodies could not have been caused by another human being because the force of the blows had to be had, were too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Isn't that interesting? Mm. So released documents contain no information about the condition of the skier's internal organs. There were no survivors of the incident. So at the time, the verdict was that the group members had all died because of, of a compelling natural force. The inquest officially ceased in May 1959 as as a result of the absence of a guilty party and the files were sent to 
some secret archive. 1997, it was revealed that the negatives from Chris's camera, one of the dead guys, uh, was kept in the private archives of one of the investigators. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, the film material was donated by this investigator's fa- daughter to the Dilatov Foundation after he died. The diaries of the hiking party fell into the Russian public domain in 2009. So that's why I was able to see these photographs. That's where mm. they were. It's weird, isn't it? But this was such a humongous case at the time. Like, you can see why he would save them. But and it feels strange that they weren't filed in with the report. But that's, I mean, not to be like, that's Russia for you, but that was Russia then. Like, it's the, the Soviet same Union. with, yeah, like all the, um, you know, Chern- Chernobyl stuff that yeah. was kept from the, the population. Mm-hmm. So it's, they have form for that. Mm-hmm. So sinister though. Sinister, and uh, not to be. No, they had form for that. Yeah, yeah. you're being kind of I'm, weirdly I'm cautious. You're entering on the edge of cancellation. You're in a safe space, Sophie. Okay. Don't worry. So on the twelfth of April, twenty eighteen, the remains of Zolotov. This is weird too. Just as an aside, it's the kind whole of not, thing is weird. So the remains of one of them were exhumed upon uh, the initiative of journalists of the, this Russian tabloid newspaper. So uh, contradictory results were obtained. One of the experts stated that the character of the injuries resembled a person knocked down by a car. But then the DNA analysis did not reveal any similarities to the DNA of living relatives. What? Suggesting that wasn't even him. <gasps> what? what? Now, we, I literally have no further information on this. No. It's just like a tiny nugget of weirdness in the story. So anyway, the aftermath, right? 1967, uh, writer and journalist. So this is nearly 13 years after. Yeah, Yuri, not the same Yuri with the bad knee. Published a novel of the highest degree of complexity was the name of the novel, uh, inspired by the incident. So uh, there, let's see now, should I bother telling you about this? Yes. I won't. That's boring. What? Books were written all about it. Like <laughs> Books are boring. Theories but that was a were flying version, around. That was, was a novelised version. Okay. Well, th- it kind of only had to have been at this point. Well, okay, there were yeah, also yeah. kind of, you know. It's all kind of speculation speculative. kind of. About yeah. what so there it. are loads of Theory. Speculation, so avalanche, like we discussed. Yeah. So, uh, but we've the theory that, that an avalanche but caused the hikers' deaths was initially popular, and it has since been questioned, though. So, the right, it doesn't expect. Oh, maybe they heard it coming, or saw it coming, and that's why they ran that's from why the camp. They ran, well, yeah. listen to this: American skeptic author, the- author, okay. skeptic author, uh, suggests that uh, as more plausible okay that the group woke in a panic this is his suggestion cut their way out of the tent either because an avalanche had covered the entrance to the tent or because they were scared one was imminent suggesting they might have heard it rumbling Mm. so better to have potentially repairable slit in a tent than risk being buried alive under tons of snow they were poorly clothed because they had been sleeping it ran to safety in the nearby woods where the trees would help the oncoming slow uh, would slow the oncoming snow explains why someone ran up a tree yeah okay in the darkness of night they got separated into two or three groups Uh, one group made a fire hence the burned hands the other tried to uh, return to the tent to just to recover their clothing since the danger had apparently passed but it was too cold they all froze to death before they could locate the tent so at some point some of the clothes may have been recovered or swapped from the dead but at any rate the group whose four bodies were most savagely damaged were caught in the avalanche buried under 13 feet of snow and more than enough to account for compelling natural force as the medical examiner had said yeah mm. so this uh dubinia's tongue the fact that it was removed was most likely scavengers and ordinary predation, so animals. 
uh, evidence contradicting the avalanche theory includes the location of the incident didn't have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. And if you know about snow, you know that you can tell, you know, if you dig down, you can see the levels at which... You when, can, it's, when it's... Yeah, the behavior yeah. of snow tell. varies That's through it. different levels in the snowpack. Exactly. So you can often date events by examining the snowpack at, say, three feet will yeah. t- tell you something about the snow a month ago. Interesting. And, yeah. So yeah. that was not And discovered. there's also different kinds of avalanches. So like a slab avalanche would have left a, like a kind of a depression in the terrain above mm. from an entire huge slab. section oh, of yeah, the yeah. falling away. So that was not the avalanche class. I know. I was like, you know about this. An avalanche would have left certain patterns to breeze, but it didn't. Mm. Uh, the bodies were found within a month of the event. Sorry, some of them were found within a month of the event. Were covered with very shallow layer of snow. There, ha- if there had been an avalanche of that sufficient strength and s- to sweep around this, to anyway, basically there wasn't. There was. No- there wasn't enough evidence to support the avalanche theory. No, over 100 expeditions into the region were held since the incident and none of them ever reported conditions that might have created an avalanche. Right. Uh, an analysis of the terrain, the slope, incline, mm. indicates that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche, mm. um, its trage- trajectory would have bypassed the tent. And the slope above and the angle that it's sitting at would have informed the force of the avalanche. Yes, and also the tent so collapsed. that's something that's not a variable. It's yes. a slope. It's got at the same angle at all times. Uh, tent collapsed laterally, not horizontally. So Interesting. Yeti. Just, just Hulk smash. Huge hand down on top of... So Dilatov was an experienced skier and this much older guy... 38 year old was studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction sure you were neither of these two men had been likely to camp anywhere in the path of a potential avalanche so footprints patterns leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone let alone a group of nine people running in a panic from either real or imagined danger isn't that fucking interesting Mm -hmm. so the footprints they were able to gauge were walking away at a walking Pace. So how fucking strange is that? That you would leave the tent half closed in a calm, relaxed manner. Maybe they were, were they all sleepwalking? Actually, what do we call it? The mass hysteria? Folly 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 enough. That's the crazy of two. Folly enough is the crazy of nine. Thank you. <laughs> Smarty pants. I so, don't know uh, if it's ever been proven to affect nine people at once, except perhaps if they were having a shared hallucination. So I think uh, it does go exists. because there was a town. It affected a town with dozens of people all convinced they had contracted a ha huh, funny a virus. Mm. But that's still so interesting. Like say rumor panic mm. uh, is a no known phenomenon, but like mm. where's the panic if they're all sauntering away fucking in fascinating a civilized perfect so maybe they were playing a game here's the investigation committee of the russian federation on request of families confirmed the avalanche uh, with a number of important details added so basically they recreated the scene to test for do you know hang on a second the first of february blah blah blah, blah. okay so they still it was kind of inconclusive basically mm-hmm. so far there's another suggestion that it could have been something called catabatic wind right this oh, is fucking yes. fascinating. So in 2019, a Swedish-Russian expedition was made to the site. After investigations, they proposed that a violent catabatic wind is like is a likely explanation for the incident. So these winds are 
somewhat rare. They can be extremely violent. Uh, they were implicated in 1978 case at an Aris mountain in Sweden where eight hikers were killed and one was seriously injured in the aftermath of such a wind. So the topography of these locations were noted to be very similar according to this expedition. Mm-hmm. Mm. So a sudden catabatic wind would have made it possible, impossible to remain in the tent. Uh, the most rational course of action would be for the hikers to cover the tent with snow, seek shelter amongst the tree line. So what is imagine they're walking wind. against a wind. Potentially. Ah. Oh, that's there why they're so slow. Poten- yeah. Exactly. So there was also a torch left uh, turned on, to- on, on top of the tent, possibly left there in- intentionally so the hikers could find their way back once the wind had subsided. The expedition proposed that the group of hikers constructed two uh, shelters, one of which collapsed, leaving four hikers buried with violent uh, injuries observed. So what is a catabatic wind? It's a very violent wind. Okay, but it's pr- pretty rare. It it, it, it's, it it depends on the topography how how it comes to to be. They're obviously very they're very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the perfect storm in wind, right. in wind kind of. Nothing settings. cat related. Imagine it's if a very there was a wind of cats. No cat as in catatonic. Oh, no, I don't see. I don't know catabatic. <laughs> don't know what it it's a very for. it's a very satisfying sounding word. Catabatic. Catabatic. Here's another one. Infrasound. Nice staccato. So another hypothesis uh, proposed by this Donnie E-I-C-H-A-R E-C-A-R E-I-C-H-A-R E-C-A-R E-I-C-H-A-R or something Uh, It doesn't matter. His 2013 book Dead Mountain um, Dead Mountain Such a creepy name. Suggests that the wind going around Okay here popularised by is that the wind going around uh, the mountain created a, a Carman vo- vortex street which can produce an infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. <gasps> so according to Ecker, the infrasound generated by the wind as it passed over the top of the mountain was responsible for causing physical discomfort, mental distress in the hikers. He claims that because of their panic, the hikers were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary, fled de- and fl- flee down the slope. By the time... Um, they were further down the hill they would have been out of the infrasound's path would have regained composure but in the darkness unable to return to their shelter the traumatic injuries sustained by three of the victims were the result of stumbling over a ledge into the ravine in darkness landing on the rocks at the bottom now we've already disproven the fact that that they didn't is have somewhat unlikely um, because of the snow yeah kind of filling up the ravine the, the force of the, the blow. The wouldn't have done it. No, yeah. the, the f- non-fractured bones. Do you remember that? It was, uh, sorry, mm. the type it was of the fracture. Soft tissue. And soft, zero soft t- yeah, tissue damage and, and fractures beneath. through to the bones. Correct. Yeah. So there was also military testing, right? So speculation exists that the campsite fell within the path of the Soviet parachute mine exercise. So this theory alleges that hikers, woken by a loud explosion, uh, fled the tent in the shoeless panic, uh, found themselves unable to return um after some members froze to death attempting to endure the bombardment others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions so uh, the theory concedes that the report of blah 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 so oh, there was reports right of these glowing orange orbs floating or falling from the sky within the general vicinity of the hikers and was allegedly photographed by them so those photographs have not been turned up so potentially military aircraft or descending parachute mines this theory amongst others using uh, uses scavenging animals to display the, the eyes and the tongue and all that shit so there there was known army testing in the region nobody has taken responsibility as oh, far of as course. these things have gone 
paradoxically undressing. This is interesting too. So uh, the International Science Times propo- uh, propositioned that the hiker's deaths were caused by her hypothermia, which can induce behavior known as paradoxical undressing, mm. uh, in which the hypothermic subjects remove their clothes in response to perceived feelings of burning warmth. Oh. Do you remember we had that in the Donner Party? That's right. The Irish so, lad. <laughs> exactly. It is undisputed that six of the nine hikers did die of hypothermia. However, the others uh, appear to have acquired additional clothing which suggests they were of a sound enough mind to add layers uh isn't that interesting yeah mm. so basically there is obviously the yeti theory as well i love that, that one uh, it's my fave well, again I yeti and drugs the yeti the drugs or, is, or a drugs yeti or but yeah <laughs> boom but like why would you the panic the running versus walking thing keeps coming up in like for me that's like, the i don't know like I've definitely been on drugs where I thought I was moving at a normal pace, but it was actually very slow. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> Who was it? It was a Danner's one. This is terrible. We have on the moped, so high, <gasps> taking a corner, thinking he Daniel. was moving at severe speed. In fact, just wasn't just, going fast enough to keep oh no. the moped up and just kind of fell off it to fell the side. Fell to the side. Oh, you need your momentum. It's so funny. It's, it is absolutely the fact, isn't it? You're like, oh, I'm really moving at rapid. I've got to really take this corner. Yeah. Or you're me. like, oh my God, I'm talking so fast. Does everyone I know how fast I'm talking? Are they all noticing? And in reality, you're like, hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's so far. That's the story. No conclusion, but it's a fucking amazing story. Don't you that think? is, yeah, really fascinating. Oh my yeah. God. There's so many... Um, Different so much conspiracy theories to enjoy. I know. Get on in. Dilatov, pass. Thank you. Well Thank done. You for dying that was an so accident. That we can have a nugget of. They gave their lives oh, so Jesus. that we could earn for four dollars a month. So we could <laughs> earn four. Split three ways. Delighted. Or I Patreon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, thanks very much Sophie I'm excited for your one you've kind of dogged a timely little creep this is a timely creep and it's very mini because there's so much contradictory information about this so basically um, I this is like like latched to love is blind which every one of us now has talked on a public platform about Cassie featured on uh, private Private education education with Ashton Keenan me and Jen talked about it on the Vulture Club so I was thinking about Love is Blind and the whole premise Mm -hmm. and how we'd all been going around for the last few weeks being like, madness. It's mad. Are the straights okay? Are the straights okay? And then I was like, do you know it's mad, but it's familiar too. What's this reminding me of? And then I remembered. Married at first sight. No, the Moonies. So my clickbait headline for this is cult, corporation or Christian breakaway faction. Ah, so, do you guys, do you know what the Moonies are? No. Really? No. Okay, so the Moonies is like a, actually a kind of derogatory term uh, for um, a church called the Unification Movement that was founded by a guy, a Korean guy called Sun Myung Moon and in the 50s. And, uh, well, his first religion was founded in the 50s. The kind of modern day version of the Church of Unification is kind of established in the 60s, 70s. Um, so anyway, uh, they, the, his followers became known as Moonies because Sun Young Moon. Mm. Um, and uh, so Sun Young Moon was born in Korea, in South Korea, um, in um, the Dibaba, er, very early in the last century. No, sorry, 1920. Okay. <laughs> sorry. And um, he was born to, so when he was a child, his family, like, um, 
were Confucius. And then they converted to Christianity when he was 10. Confucius. And, yeah, so Confucian. Confusing. Confucian. People of the confused. I think I would fit right in. Yeah, so it's like um, a kind of a, a thought and behavior that originated in ancient China. And it's kind of a philosophy and a sort of like a humanistic religion. But his parents converted to Christianity when he was 10. And then in his teens, the young Sun Myung Moon um, claimed to have had a, uh, a vision and met or seen Jesus, who told him that he was uh, like the kind of chosen Messiah. Now, he didn't tell anyone at the time that this had just happened okay. as a 15, 16 year it's old. It's a lot of pressure. Huge pressure. But he, Sun Young Moon, was really ready for it. He was ready to step up. And so later he kind of established this origin story for himself. Mm -hmm. um, and he basically kind of grew up in his 20s. He started to get interested in sort of like proselytizing and talking about his kind of new iteration of kind of a Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And um, like, to be honest, I found it near impossible to establish kind of what the real facts about. because Sun Young Moon's Sun Myung Moon's Wikipedia page and the Wikipedia page for the Church of Unification, they are very thorough Wikipedia pages but not saying anything by at all. I definitely feel that they have there is heavy handed editing going on. Yeah. And so anyway, he established his church and started growing followers. And his was kind of like a sidestep of Christian faith. Mm -hmm. So his kind of um, belief was that Jesus had kind of died before he sort of fulfilled his mission and his mission was to marry. So a big part of the Church of Unification's uh, ethos is all about marriage, marry, right? Marry, marry, marry. Marry, marry, marry. Now, Sun Myung Moon, so th there are, for example, I read, I heard on one podcast allegations of sexual misconduct against him in during the kind of 50s and early 60s right. in his first religion that okay. he kind of had going. Yeah. Uh, he had married at that point and he was very strict on the marital union being not, you know, no adultery, no messing. But only polyamory. Um, no. So he's, but oh, he's sexual misconduct. But so his goes just like just, a lot just, of cult leaders, maybe some of the kind of doc, uh, some of the manifesto wouldn't extend to them. Yeah, perhaps again. But a lot of them try and work it in. Substantiate. Yeah, sometimes they do. And they, as I said, it's definitely really hard actually to kind of completely figure out exactly what's true and false about his his biography. Yeah. And um, we do know that he spent time in a labor camp in North Korea because he was arrested by the government uh, on suspicion of being a South Korean spy. And we know that he, after his time in the labor camp for five years, um, he was really anti-communist um, by then. But then, conversely, later in his religion, the Mooney's religion, he, for example, had all his followers, um, you know, live a very kind of... Uh, frugal existence which would be kind of in alignment with communism mm -hmm. also they had to pay a lot of money to be a part of the church he invested a lot of that money in the business arm of the church that was called Tongil and basically Tongil had business um, dealings in everything from he had golf courses ski resorts arms manufacturing businesses uh, he owned a newspaper in um, the States called the Washington Times. That was kind of a conservative uh, mm -hmm. leaning newspaper. He 
basically Tongil had billions in uh, revenue across all of these uh, businesses. So there's basically like two arms to the Unification Church. Is it a multi uh, billion dollar corporation? Yeah, well, the or, quickest way to make a million quid is to start a religion. Yeah. Or is it really? a cult? Well, that's what the founder of Scientology said. Yeah. I think we're in a good This position. is arguably... Yeah, I think we could... I really think we could pull it off. <laughs> Remind me to talk about Book Club. That just reminded me oh, of yeah. Book okay. Club. This is arguably more lucrative than Scientology, I think. So anyway, the Moonies really got on the map when um, Sung Mung Moon and his second wife, who is known into the group as the true mother, and he's known as the true father, and their followers call them the true parents. Mm-hmm. And basically, they started running mass um, marriages for their followers. So it was a really big... Um, tenant of the religion that Sung Myung Moon would choose your spouse and he would marry you in a mass wedding ceremony and these mass wedding ceremonies were like such a spectacle that um, you know really put them on the map so in the first it's like and Varna <laughs> so the first one in 1961 um, saw 36 couples uh, paired off so literally they met maybe two days before the mm-hmm. ceremony Fairy love is blind. And um, over the next few decades, the ceremonies began to grow in scale. In the early 80s, we saw 2000 couples wow. wedded um, at one in New York's Madison Square Garden. And it was all about unification. Location so for he would wedding. choose people from all over the world mm-hmm. to marry each other sight unseen. In 1997, are you ready for this? 30 thousand couples took part in a mass wedding ceremony in Washington, D.C. What? Yeah. Then, so how just like logistically is it just like line up and marry yeah, the person to your left? Definitely. No, no, no. So at the early ones when there was more manageable numbers it literally used to be lads on one side oh yeah they're really anti-gays um, anyone in the oh, LGBTQ. I imagine yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be yeah. So it's men on one side women on the other and uh, literally Sun Young Moon walking down and being like you with you you with you. Now, the age of kind of marriage in the church is um, minimum age 17. Right. Um, so was he pairing them up for the sorry in that moment. In or, that moment. Sorry, yeah, they didn't know who they were going to no, be. absolutely not. You just thought it meeny, miny, mo. Literally, mm, maybe you with you, height-wise, it looks good. Oh, at least they're considering height, that's They good. might be considering height. So, for example, when Sung Myung Moon married his second wife, True Mother, she was 17 and he was 40. Right. Let's just leave that there. I'd say she was fucking delighted. Um, so it probably was because he was the true father. True Still father though, and a, true mother. About to get true fucked by a fucking person <laughs> twice your age. He also had a hand in, um, I know, I'm just kind of just steamrolling over that. He had a hand in international politics. Now, his faves were like President Nixon, obviously, Reagan, like he's highly conservative and things like that. And uh, but it was just like all with an eye to power and growing the Tongil group and growing the church unification. So I watched some different documentaries about this. I saw one documentary where literally this was couples in the early 2000s. This is completely still a thing. It's still a thing today. (sighs) Yeah, like pretty much like... um, so I saw one couple who um, there was a woman from France and a man from Japan being interviewed. Mm-hmm. The woman from France had some English, but pretty limited. The Japanese man didn't speak a word of English. She didn't speak Japanese. He didn't speak French. They had just Lord. met. They were standing and literally they have a real eye to the spectacle. Everyone's wearing a white wedding dress and a black suit and they are 
in stadiums of people getting married at the same time. And some of them have radio headsets for the translation of the ceremony because oh the ceremony is, I mean, some in English and then a lot in Korean. And um, while people who are raised in the Unification Church would like be able to recite some Korean stuff that's part of the kind of doctrine of the church, they wouldn't necessarily speak Korean. And so what we have now at the current stage of the Church of Unification is the children of the original Moonies, the yeah. original married couples coming of age. And now because Sun Myung Moon died a few years ago, they have instead like kind of instated that the parents can choose your spouse. But it yeah. is still like one woman acknowledged that it was from a database. So they obviously have a kind of, you know, they've harnessed the tech yeah. to kind of try and, so you know. So it's just arranged marriage now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so but no, the, arranged, you know, the it's not arranged marriage for couple. any financial gain, though, is it? Like there's not dowries being exchanged. No, they the followers pay a lot of money. Well, I saw some reports that the followers pay a lot of money to the church and the Sung Myun Moon's family, his surviving children all hold positions of massive power within the Tongil group, for example, yeah. and within the church itself. So anyway, you know, the um, Japanese lad and the French gal, like they got to literally the point where they were in the stadium preparing to like, you know, put in the translation headphones and stuff like that. And she could not remember your man's name. Oh. Uh, and the journalist uh, who was Korean American kind of uh, help them sort it out I think yeah um, with a little help from the crew a bit of translating I mean they have as good a chance as anybody I, yeah they do, do. They? in really? fact I, I did find because they I can't understand the each other oh god you could just fully project onto that person there is definitely a lot of endorsed <laughs> endorsed <laughs> there's that did you know who Mooney actually married he married a Catholic uh, a Catholic archbishop and Fe- a Korean woman and oh, sorry, married them. Sorry. Yeah, he Catholic married them. Archbi- How was he allowed And when the Pope got pissed off, this was a good while back now, this might have been in the 70s. When the Pope got pissed off, um, he said, uh, he tried to get the marriage um, kind of abolished as the yeah. Pope. And then um, Sun Myung Moon went on hunger strike uh, in protest at the Pope trying to rip up the marriage. I mean... It's mad stuff. And um, the guy who uh, was the priest in that, or sorry, the archbishop in that scenario, um, his name is Malingo and he's an advocate for the removal of the requirement for celibacy by priests, obviously, as a married priest. And um, he's also the founder of a great sounding organisation just called Married Priests Now! (laughs) Exclamation mark. The exclamation mark is a part of the title. Um, there's a lot of kind of creepy information that hasn't made it into loads. I read loads of Sung Myung Moon's obits, mm-hmm. obituaries, I mean, like, and I read a lot of articles. And to be honest, all the information, some of the wilder stuff, like I, I heard it on one podcast, didn't hear it on another, couldn't find it in an article. But in the late 90s, one of Sung Myung, Sung, Sung Myung Moon's sons um, died by suicide. And apparently, and now I'm really, really heavily giving you a side assault with this. Sun Myung Moon wanted to hide the death of his son from the church's followers until a kind of more like strategic moment. So they were coming up to the millennium and he wanted to sort of delay the announcement. Grim. To sort of potentially tie it in with some kind of... (laughs) The millennium? Yeah. Because remember that hysteria, hysteria around the yeah, yeah. 2000 yeah. or whatever. 
So it's an utterly fascinating corner of religious history slash is it a cult? Very, very lovely. It just blind. is a cult. I mean, th- when we, we know that they have fra- so much money. Outside of organized, yeah. standardized organized exactly. religions. So There's loads of cult. Worth yeah. saying that Sung Myung Moon was jailed for a time in the early 80s for a tax fraud in the States. Sure. Now, nobody, it seems nobody can actually get a real handle on how much Tongil Holdings is worth, but they know that they invested things like 30 million in keeping the Washington Times afloat. Oh, really? Yeah, like they've just spent so freaking much money on all their different businesses. Terrifying. It's so, like, um, what do you call that thing? So Love is Blind actually feels quite, uh, it's just sort of innocent and sort of hopeful next to... Is it? Oh, it's so, <laughs> so doubtful. Uh, book club. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, thank you, Sophie. The, that was glorious. The Dublin book club is meeting uh, in uh, da, 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 da. the Dublin book club is meeting. Us, you, 7th of March in uh, the Bleeding what's Horse. What's name again? In Dublin? Yeah. Uh, try and find that one because then um, so the Waterford Book Club met uh, and they have selected the next book for everyone's book I know a lot of the the creep clubs haven't met up yet in person the Dublin one is the 7th of March I think we're just we're going to post the details on the Instagram but the Waterford one went very successful said there was no deaths and no stalkers (laughs) Um, and the next book is the less people know sorry 11th of March, 7pm, The Bleeding Horse, Dublin. Deadly, that's close to here. That is very close to here. I'm sure they selected it for that very reason. Um, so the next book is selected is The Less People Know About Us, A Mystery of Betrayal, Family Secrets and Stone Identity by Axton Betts Hamilton. If you want to join the Waterford Book Creep Club, it's a true story of vengeance. Um, on is is the organizer? Nice uh, one, well done, book lovers! Thanks for coming. Don't forget to patronize us if you want to. Creep you'll, get, you'll get the creep hive. It's some, like we we give you a load. We give you another recording. A the week. the yeah. recordings that we started off saying mini recordings, but they turned into like a fucking hour long. 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 <laughs> um, so that is patreon.com forward slash the creep dive. Follow us on all the things at the creep dive on Instagram at dive creep on Twitter. Thanks very much for coming. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.